Well, good morning. Good to be with you. I'm excited to share with you. I wish I could take you on a cruise ship. Instead, I'm going to have to take you on an ark. That's a word that we use a lot, but I'm not sure we always understand it. In fact, it's a word that's at the very core of our Christian faith, and yet we sometimes are not really sure about it. It's that word, faith. Now, if a six-year-old asked you what the Bible means when it talks about faith, how would you respond? How would you define faith for a six-year-old? I think many of us are like the kid who the Sunday school teacher asked just that question and said, could you tell me what faith is? And one kid responded, well, faith is believing what you know ain't true. <laughs> We'd never admit it, but there are times when we would say the same thing, right? But seriously, what is faith? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we have this amazing definition. Listen to this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I love that. Isn't that a great definition? Faith equals confidence and assurance. Not exactly what I grew up thinking. For me, you know, faith was just sort of, uh, you know, just believe. Or just because you have no alternative, just believe. But faith is far more than that. It not only is a mental issue, it has to affect our behavior also. I love what Calvin Miller said about this. He says, I practice daily what I believe. Everything else is just religious talk. Ultimately, faith transforms our behavior. I want you to listen to a wonderful illustration that the writer of Hebrews gives us regarding faith. Listen to this. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that, were, that had never happened before. But by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. How good is your imagination this morning? I want you to imagine for a moment that Noah is your daddy. Okay? He announces to you and the rest of the family that God has told him to build this gigantic boat in the backyard because this enormous flood is coming and the only way that the family is going to survive this flood is by living in this boat. And if you think that's not crazy enough, he informs you that God has said to him that he's to gather every, uh, two, kind, two of every kind of animal so that they can be saved also. Now, how would that make you feel? How do you think you'd respond to your dad making such an astonishing announcement? Can you even begin to imagine how embarrassed 
you'd be trying to explain this big boat in the backyard to your neighbors, to your friends? I mean, why is your dad building this monstrosity? I mean, how could Noah have such confidence and assurance? I mean, just think of this situation that he's in. Let me review the facts. First, he'd never seen a flood like God said was going to happen. He'd never seen that. And all the experts, oh, they were saying, man, this is a dumb idea. And his family, bless their hearts, they were humiliated with his obsession with building this big old boat out in the backyard that's not even close to a lake. And he's going to spend months gathering food, all kinds of food, to put on this boat. And at the top of the crazy list, he's supposed to rescue animals from the coming flood. Go figure out how you're going to do all that. So how did Noah have such confidence and assurance in the face of all of these perfectly logical arguments against doing this? He really didn't understand the circumstances or the whys or the hows, but he did know God can be trusted. God is a keeper of his word. Here's the key. His confidence was in the integrity of God, not in the logic of his circumstances. You know, sometimes God's commandments just don't sound very logical. And they certainly don't sound convenient. Let me give you an example from the teachings of Jesus. I mean, some of his teachings are a bit outlandish. For example, he actually said, pray for your enemies, not against them, for them. Or he says, don't return evil for evil. And then he has the audacity to say, forgive those who are being mean to you. There are frequent occasions when we are called to trust God's wisdom and God's character rather than our own feelings and our own wisdom. You see, faith is being confident and assured that God actually knows what he's talking about. And he's actually, believe it or not, actually smarter than we are. Now, I want us to look at this issue from a, of a different angle for a moment. Can anyone tell me what the ark became a symbol of among the early Christians? Anybody know? What was the ark a symbol of? Anybody know? Pardon? It was the symbol for the church. The church. And that has all kinds of interesting implications. The early Christians saw the symbol of the ark as a reminder that there is safety, there is salvation in the community of believers known as the church. Now think about that. 
it frankly doesn't always make a lot of sense that there is safety and salvation in a boat full of animals. Smelly, annoying animals. And here's a real annoying thing, okay? God has made it clear in his word that he wants us to learn how to get along with all the other passengers in the boat. And in so doing, guess what he's doing? He is preparing us to get along with a boatload of saints in heaven for all eternity. So, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So what are we as believers, what are we confident of? Those of us who have been rescued in the ark, in the church, what is it we're supposed to be confident of? Well, there are many, many things. I just want to deal quickly, very quickly with five of them, okay? First, faith is confident that Jesus is passionately in love with the church and all of its passengers, and that includes you. You believe that? I don't understand how he loves some people, but he does. It's important for us to be reminded of that over and over again. Let me remind you of something. If you discover that someone is passionately in love with a person, you'd better be careful how you talk about that person they love so much, right? Now, if you want to hurt someone, just criticize and demean that person that they have deep feelings for. Imagine for a moment that I dared to criticize one of your kids or your parents. Would you agree that such a decision on my part would not be very smart? I mean, you can criticize your kids. You can criticize your parents. But anybody else? Nah, they better be careful about that, right? Do you understand that God loves his children with more passion than you love your kids or your parents? And he is not happy when we criticize them or put them down. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the one that needs to hear this sermon, but I need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. The second thing that faith is confident of, Jesus is calling on us to love the other passengers also. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say to them, Jesus loves you and I'm trying to. <laughs> do that, would you? <laughs> it's taken me far too long to grasp this simple truth that when I criticize others in the church, 
I'm criticizing people that Jesus passionately loves. And he's personally hurt when I hurt someone that he has rescued. Now here's the uncomfortable truth in all of this. Jesus is calling on you and me to not just stop criticizing these other passengers, but to actually love them. I don't even like some of them. How am I supposed to love them? I'm sorry to say this, but there are some passengers on the boat that I find very difficult to love. Any of you got that problem? I would find it far more acceptable and enjoyable if the boat were filled with people like me and people I liked and people who liked me. You know, an, an upscale cruise ship, not a smelly ark. And if I really wanted to hang out with weird creatures, I'd visit a zoo. But I prefer to hang out with nice, mature, well-adjusted people. You know, people like me. But God has filled his ship with lots of different and sometimes weird creatures. And it's hard for me to imagine, but he loves every one of them. And here is the difficult truth. He's calling on me to love them too. Here's the problem. I don't see them the way he sees them. Perspective is everything, isn't it? I suspect many of you have read Stephen Covey's book, The uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But for those of you who haven't read it, I'd like to share an experience he had one Sunday morning on a subway in New York. People were sitting quietly on the subway. Some were reading their papers. Some were trying to get a, a quick nap. And some were just lost in thought and resting with their eyes closed. And it was calm, peaceful. Things were going well. Then suddenly, a man and his children entered the subway car. The children were loud and rambunctious. And instantly, the atmosphere changed. And the man sat down to Steve, beside Stephen closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the fact that his kids were going crazy. They were yelling back and forth. They were throwing things. They were grabbing people's papers. It was very disturbing. And yet the man sitting next to him did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. Stephen could not believe that the man could be so insensitive as to let his children be so crazy and make so much noise and make everybody else irritated on the subway also. Well, it was easy to see it wasn't going well. And finally, with what he felt was unusual patience and restraint, Stephen turned to the man and said, sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you maybe could control them a little bit. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to consciousness of the situation and said softly, oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital and their mother died about an hour ago. I don't know what to think. I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine? 
what Stephen felt at that moment? His paradigm shifted. Suddenly he saw things differently. And because he saw things differently, he thought differently. He felt differently. He behaved differently. His irritation vanished. He simply didn't have to worry about controlling his attitude anymore. His heart was filled with this man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and of compassion just began to flow from him. And immediately he responded to the man, oh, your wife just died? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can you tell me more about it? What can I do to help? And everything changed in an instant. What would happen if we began to see others in the boat as hurting people that our Heavenly Father passionately loves? How would that change our attitude and our behavior toward them? Full disclosure, no one in this room needs to hear this more than I. The third thing faith confident of is that truth is found in Jesus. In fact, Jesus is the truth. Listen to Oswald Chambers. Truth is not a system. It's not a constitution. It's not even a creed. Truth is the Lord Jesus. He is the truth. He's the truth about the Father, about the way of the Father. Would you agree that we all need a re revival of excitement about who Jesus is? Why is that important? Listen to what Jesus himself said. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So let me ask a rather personal question. What plans do you have for getting to know Jesus better? What specific steps are you taking on a daily basis to deepen your relationship with him? The fourth thing that faith is confident of is that fear does not have the last word. I love the words of Harry Fosdick. Fear imprisons, faith liberates. Fear paralyzes, faith empowers. Fear disheartens, faith encourages. Fear sickens, but faith heals. Fear makes useless, but faith makes serviceable. Most of all, fear puts hopelessness at the heart of life while faith rejoices in its God. Let me share with you one of my favorite quotes that I've shared many times with others. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies, yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. The fifth thing that faith is confident of is this. Faith is not about everything turning out okay, but faith is being okay no matter how things turn out. Why? Our faith is in God, not in outcomes. 
Our faith is in the one who knows best, not in our ideas regarding what is best. Our circumstances change and they will change, but God doesn't. So the question I have for you this morning, is faith a journey on an ark or a cruise? Is it, which is it? It's definitely a journey on an ark. And this ark is filled with all kinds of interesting personalities. The itinerary of this ark includes some stormy, unpleasant weather at times. But believe it or not, the ark is the place of safety. It is the place of salvation because it is where God has gathered his redeemed people and their destination is his concern. May I pray with you? Father, thank you that you love us even though sometimes we're not very lovable. And thank you for calling us to love others that you have gathered to yourself. I pray that you would open our eyes to what you see. Open our hearts to receive people that you have received. Open our lives to know how to support and encourage and be a part of that which you have made possible. Thank you, Father, for your grace, your love, your goodness. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.